Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is so good to see so many of our guests here today. We are honored that you have come to worship with us here today at Lighthouse. We honor you. Thank you for joining with the Lighthouse family. And we're going to have a wonderful time today. We're going to have a wonderful time in fellowship. But before we do that, we're going to have a wonderful time. We're going to go to the word of the Lord. I want to talk to you for the next 15 minutes or so. That's right, baby doll. That's okay. She's just worshiping. Y'all don't worry about it. And uh, whenever I said 15 minutes, that chuckle that you heard was from our home folk who don't think pastor can go that short. When we did this out in Pentecost in the park, I told them I was going to preach for 15 minutes. And I'm not kidding. Some of them need to repent because they had a wager going, Brother Mears, as to whether or not I was going to be able to do it or not. And I'll tell you this much. I wouldn't have been able to do it, but the Holy Ghost stepped in. And my iPad overheated, and I couldn't see what I was supposed to say, and so I shut her down in 13 minutes and 45 seconds. So uh, we're going to do our best today, and hopefully he doesn't need to intervene. So good to see so many of our guests today. Glad to have you in the house of the Lord. Uh, you can be seated. We're going to, uh, we're going to forego a lot of the, the ordinary formalities. I just want to talk to you for, for a few minutes today. And uh, I want to discuss something with you that has been weighing uh, very heavily upon my heart, and that is uh, along the thought and along the idea that there is no invitation needed. A lot of times we, we will go to a certain place if we'll get an invitation. You see, I saw this past week. We had some ladies in the church that decided to go to Cracker Barrel, and pastor didn't get an invitation. I didn't get my feelings hurt too bad. I just went by myself the next time. But you see, what happens is when you wait around for an invitation, sometimes you don't get one, right, baby doll? When you wait around for an invitation and whenever you think that's the only reason why and the only way that you can, that you can go somewhere is if somebody has invited you, somebody help me. Yeah, baby. Oh, she's fast, y'all. She's fast. The story of the prodigal son tells us of a young man who, like many others, enjoyed the pleasures of his father's house, but yet he walked away to find something not better, not more beneficial to him, but he walked away to find something that was less restrictive to the lifestyle that he wanted to lead. But the problem is, is that whenever you choose to leave on your own, you have to find your own way back. If the prodigal son would have waited around for his father to send out messengers and say, come on home, everything's going to be all right, that day never would have come. However, we see in this story, the young man, he started off good. Things were going okay at the beginning. He started making a lot of new friends, and uh, he started getting invited to a lot of parties. Because he had the money. You see, when folks realize that you'll pick up the check, you'll get a lot more invitations. Hello, somebody. Does anybody know where I am today? I remember when I graduated high school, Aunt Diana. For those of you who don't know, this is my aunt and uncle here. And uh, believe it or not, they actually claim both Greg and Charity. I, I can't believe that, but we're glad to, glad to have them today. When I graduated high school, I went to a private school. 
And, uh, and so there, were a lot, there was a lot of connections to our church there. And, and whenever I graduated, pretty much at that point in time, I probably had like 75 mamas in the church. And uh, so whenever I sent out those graduation invitations, which weren't really come watch me graduate, it was please give me money. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Okay, I'm going to move on. I had all this money coming in. And I remember about two weeks after my graduation, my dad sat down with me and said, son, we need to talk about what you want to do with that money. We need to set it aside, put it in an interest-bearing account. And I said, what money are you talking about? He said, all that money you got for graduation. I said, oh, daddy, that's gone. Because I was the most popular guy in the youth group for about two weeks. I was the most popular guy around school for about two weeks because everywhere we went, I was picking up the check. I was paying people. I was the big man on campus. And this is how the prodigal must have felt. It felt freeing. He didn't have daddy's restrictions on him anymore. He felt popular. There were others, he thought, who were now looking up to him. But the issue we run into is your enemy will always paint a very pretty picture. It always looks better in your mind to run with whoever you want or do whatever you want, to, to not have to answer to anybody. I can remember whenever I still lived under my mom and daddy's roof and making those statements, I can't wait till I can get out of here. I can't wait till I can get out and do what I want, get out on my own. Ain't nobody going to tell me when I got to go to bed or when I got to be home. Y'all haven't lived that life. That's okay. I, I, I get it. I, I, hear, I hear some, some amens from you, but some of y'all trying to act like you don't know where I'm going. That's okay. What I didn't recognize is that, that pretty picture I was looking at, the only way I was going to attain or achieve any of that and have my own house and, and, and my own money is that the world don't give you an allowance when you move out of mom and daddy's house. I, all of a sudden, I didn't get money for doing chores around the house. It didn't happen that way anymore. I had to go get a job. I had to go work by the sweat of my brow and make that living. And so that picture that was painted for me, that picture that said I don't have to listen to anybody anymore, it looked really good until reality struck. And that's what happened for the prodigal. The picture looked really good, but it always ends somewhere. It, it isn't always as it seems. The party's going to end somehow. The party's going to end sometime. And reality begins to set in. Father is nowhere to be found. Mom isn't around to help anymore. The brothers and sisters seem too disconnected to pick up the phone and call. And you're all alone with no one, no one who cares about you. You're out of money and the party is over. All your so-called friends have left you. Your new job is awful. You can't pay your bills. Now what you going to do? Well, let me take you to the word of the Lord very quickly in Luke chapter 15. The word says, beginning with verse 11, and he said, speaking of Jesus, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them his living. If you want to leave, if you want to, to have what you think is yours and what already belongs to you, let me give you a little information today. If you want to short circuit God's plan and you say, God, I want what belongs to me and I'm out, God will let you go. He'll let you have it. He'll let you have what you ask for. You've been praying, God, I, I want that job, but not realizing that job is going to take you out of the house of the Lord and you're going to end up working more overtime and, and it's going to end up being a, a drag on you and on your family. But if you demand it for long enough, God will eventually let you have it and that's the scary part. 
Because God won't argue with you. You can just walk away. Verse 13, it says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, that there he wasted his substance with riotous living. That word riotous means he partook of everything that was wrong. He had no restraints, no restrictions in his life anymore because there was nobody keeping their thumb on him anymore to say, go here and go there, do this and don't do that. And watch this in verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have... He would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. This was something that I didn't recognize until probably about six months to a year ago when I was reading this passage. The thought hit me. Brother Mears, he's feeding pigs. This is a Jewish boy who's feeding hogs. He's giving life to something that he will never be able to receive life from. He's investing his substance into something that he will never taste the fruits of it. And whenever you find yourself in a place where you don't need God and you don't need this and, 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 and you don't need mom and daddy telling you what to do anymore and you don't need that preacher telling you what's right and what's wrong, you will find yourself eventually in a place whenever all the party's gone that you're going you're gonna to recognize that you have been feeding into and giving into something that is never going to bring life back to you. And verse 17 says, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and here I perish with hunger. He said, how many of those who have worked for my daddy, how many of those who have done all these things for me when I was growing up, it, they're not even sons, they're not even family, but because they're in the house, they have more than what they need. Notice this, a majority of people never come to their senses. That's the sad, that's the sad point. A majority of people never have that moment where they, quote, unquote, come to themselves, where their eyes are opened up and they see the error. They, 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 they don't submit their pride. They, they, they have a hard time admitting that they're wrong. And to be saved, you have to realize that the Father's house is where you need to be. I said to be saved, you've got to realize that the Father's house is where you need to be. So in verse 18, he said, I will arise and go to my Father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now I want you to watch this. In verse 20, it says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, Daddy saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That was the sign of acceptance. It would have been well within the father's right to sit back on the porch and drink his lemonade and say, who's that coming down the road? Oh, well, if he wants to come back into this house, he's going to have to come back in the right way. Y'all know. You've said it. If they want my forgiveness, they're going to have to come say things right. They're going to have to come set things straight. See, I done, I done gone from being nice and I started meddling. I'm sorry. 
Brother Skipper told me this past Wednesday, he said, Pastor, I need some fluff. He said, you got, you got to quit preaching so hard. He said, you beat me up these last two weeks. I need something that's just fluffy and good, and God's going to do everything good for us. I tried. I tried. This father, notice this. The father was looking for his son to come home. The Bible says when he was a great way off, he hadn't even turned down the driveway yet. He hadn't even passed the mailbox. When he was still a great way off, the father saw him. He saw where he was and he saw that he was making that move. Let me give you a scriptural reference and give you, this is, this is the type. Let me give you the shadow of it. The Bible says that our God, he said, if you will draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. He said, when I see you begin to move, then I'm going to get up from where I am and I'm going to start to move toward you. And what we've got to recognize is that our Father, even no matter how long we may have strayed away, no matter how long the party has been for you, no matter how long you feel like that you've been away from home, all it takes is you making up in your mind, I'm going to do this thing and start turning and heading towards Jesus. And he's expecting you to return. He's going to run towards you. Now watch what he did in verse 21. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He came back with repentance. He said, what I've done is wrong. The way that I've treated you is wrong. I've done the wrong thing. I've said the wrong thing. I've wasted everything that you gave me. And he came back in repentance. But watch this. The father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Don't go into his closet and get the old stuff. Don't go into the stuff that we put up in storage because we didn't know when he was coming back. He said, you go get the best robe, that robe that, that I've had prepared for this day and for this moment to, and put a ring on his hand and, and put shoes on his feet and, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat to, and be merry. Watch this. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Help me out. I told y'all, 15 minutes, you didn't believe me. I've come to tell you today that whenever you make that, that trip back, you got you to gotta block out the haters. As soon as I said that, some of y'all know who they are already in your life. You know that whenever you make that step, they're the ones that's going to be going, uh-huh, let's see if this sticks. Yeah, I've heard this story before. Okay, you like Jesus stuff now. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you at the club next week once this wears off. Hello? They're the ones that are sitting back saying, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when they prove it. Watch this. In verse 25, now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. He said, It's good news. There's great things happening back at the house. You got to get here. And the Bible says that he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. 
Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. But preacher, what are people going to think about me? Sadly, there's always going to be people who are jealous. You're always going to have people in your life that when God blesses you, they're going to say, well, why didn't he give that to me? There's always going to be things that are going to happen. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, clearly transparent. A lot of those folks are church folks. There are more people who have been injured and been harmed by church folks than probably by almost any other thing. So-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. And there's a lot of people who'd rather not see you come home. You see, whenever you show up at the church house, they're going to they want to see your invitation. They're standing at the door. They may not physically do it, but you feel their eyes. You feel when they look at you and say, do you really belong here? They want to see the proof that you have a reason for being in the house. But I come to tell you today, you're never going to need an invitation. All you got to do is come home. You never need an invitation to go back to daddy's house. All you got to do is come home. There's a lot of places around this city that I need an invitation to go. There's a lot of places around this city, Brother Beam, that when my wife and I go, we'll, we'll ring the doorbell. We'll knock on the door. Some of them your house. Why? Because I need an invitation to show up there. But I know there's one place that we can always go. And when we show up, the door's going to be cracked just a little bit. The porch light's going to be on. Every time that we head on out through Forest Lakes and we go by to see the bishop and Sister Love, I can pull up in that driveway and I see that the door's cracked. They're prepared. And we open that door and say, Hello? I don't have to knock. And the voice from inside says, come on in. We've been expecting you all to come by. I want you to know today that in this house, you're never going to need an invitation. You don't need to call him ahead and say, I'm planning on coming home this weekend. You don't need to, to make arrangements and send word. Why? Because he's already seen you coming before you ever hit the driveway. And all you've got to do is just come home. Stand with me if you would. I want to encourage somebody today. You never need an invitation to go back home. And you may say, well, but it's been so long. How, how are they even going to know me there? I promise, he knows right where you are. He knows right where he wants you to be. And he sees the steps that you're taking to get there. And if you will move toward him, he's going to fling that door open. You don't even have to wonder. You don't have to pull up outside and wonder if there's anybody home. Why? Because he's going to meet you on the road coming in. And he's going to throw his arms around you. And he's going to love you. And he's going to let you know 
that everything that's happened, every transgression has already been forgiven. It's such a poignant example of this prodigal son when it comes to our relationship with God. Because in the Hebrew custom for that younger son to tell his daddy, I want my inheritance now, it was the equivalent of him telling his father, I wish you were dead. Why don't you go ahead and go on and die and give me whatever it is that I'm going to get? You see, you and I, we face that same question. Because one day at Calvary, this God robed in flesh went and he took our place so that we might have an inheritance. He stretched himself out on that cross and he died for you and I so that we might have access to this great inheritance. But here's the awesome part about it. On the third day, he rose again victorious. On the third day, see, I, I can't take you to his grave today because he's alive and he's living forevermore and you have an opportunity in this house to head back home. You don't need an invitation to come back. All you need to do is realize that you are not here by accident today. You don't need an invitation to be where you are because where you are is right in the center of where God wants you to be. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask us to, to bow our heads and close our eyes all across this place. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. But I know that the Lord has been speaking in this house. I can feel his presence in this place. He's walking up and down these aisles right now. He's hovering around each and every one of us in this place. And all he wants to see is, are you coming home? Are you coming home? If you're in this place today, and you'd be honest enough with this preacher, nobody's looking around but me, you'd be honest enough with this preacher to say, I've been away, but it's time for me to come home. Would you just slip that hand up in the air? I see those hands. I see them. I see them. I see them. I see them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Everybody put your hands down. I'm going to ask us as a family. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. I'm going to ask us as a family. If we could all just come into this altar for a time of prayer. Would you grab the hand of the person standing next to you? Would you